0: Welcome to the Smiling Homeschooler podcast. I'm your host Ben Wilson. On this week's show, we were able to interview speaker and author Diana Waring. She shares her passion for history and has some incredibly encouraging advice. I'm sure you'll like it. Today's show is sponsored by Teaching Textbooks, an award-winning math program for homeschoolers that is sure to make you smile. We hope you enjoy the show. So here's my dad, Todd Wilson. Well, it's
1: good to be back again. Uh, We're excited. We hope you're super encouraged by our time together because we have a special guest. Last time we talked a little bit about, you know, do we need history? And we said, yes, history is important, but not everybody's going to learn it in in the same way or maybe needs to understand it at the same level. Um, But we have a special guest and a great friend, Diana Waring, with us. And I don't want to steal her thunder. Um, but if you've if you've been to homeschool convention in the last, I don't know, 20 years, you've, you've seen Diana Waring. You've probably read her books. Uh, you've read her articles. You've seen published things on the Internet. Um, maybe you didn't even know it was her. But I know when you read her stuff, you thought, wow, I can identify with that. Because that's what you, I think you're going to be encouraged during this time, because the thing I like about Diana Waring is that uh, uh, she's real. She's she emphasized relationship and she has a great perspective on what really matters. So, Diana, it is good having you with us.
2: Oh, so much fun to be here with you, Todd and Ben Till my I favorite. Thank
1: you. Appreciate it. <laughs> OK, now, just in case uh, that they don't know you, um, why don't you tell us that? Well, and even if they do know you, maybe this will get, you'll give a, a deeper uh, understanding. Tell us a little bit, about your, a little bit about yourself, your family and maybe your homeschool journey.
2: Well, you know, the funniest thing is when we decided, well, when I decided to go <laughs> school, uh, I was pregnant with our oldest son, who's now 37. So this is a long time ago. Okay. That's a long time ago. And... Uh, my husband was a teacher, a public school teacher at that point. And I read a book that had just come out called Homegrown Kids by Dr. Raymond Moore. I read the book. I just loved what he described about relationships with your teenagers if you homeschooled. And I thought, whatever it takes, that just sounds good to me. So I went to him and I said, honey, I think we should homeschool. And he said, what is that?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: where I teach them at home. And he looked at me and he said, I think I would lose my job. You know, this is 1981 and he's a teacher and we'd never seen it or heard of it or anything else. Uh And uh, it only took him a few years, though, teaching in public schools to just kind of recognize that even in some of the very best schools, um, the children who came in, so many of them were having troubles with things at home, things beyond their control. And it was coming into the classroom, coming into the hallways. And he just said, you know, I want my kids to grow and learn in, a, in an environment where we can just love on them, you know, where they where it's more about learning rather than just trying to survive the, the stuff that goes on. And um, so he became a proponent of homeschooling. And we just had this Wild journey. We didn't, he knew stuff about school. I knew nothing about how kids learned. I just kind of jumped in and started doing these things. But I began to learn very quickly that my children were not all like me. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, big surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that they learned so differently from each other and from me, I began to have a lot of questions. And that really propelled us into a different, I don't want to say a different level, it was like we took a different path. Because we began to say, well, wait a minute, how does this work? And uh, the lessons we learned along the way from reading books and from meeting people and discovering how God has wired us uh, to learn in different kinds of ways for his pleasure. It's not... You know, it doesn't all fit in the same way for every child. Once we started on that journey, life got really exciting, and we have had, um, we've had a life that I would not trade for all the wealth of the world. We got to love on our kids, teach them, travel with them uh, to homeschool conventions. (laughs) But it was still, it was just this amazing thing. We sang together. We did concerts together. Uh, and the memories that we made, the life we had, the way they learned, and what they're doing with their lives now. I just go, it was so worth all the work and all the effort. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot in the process. So that's my
0: story. <laughs> that's awesome. Then can you tell us a little bit about, obviously, because this is, I think, one of the things you were known about, known for is your his- is history. Can you tell us about your passion for history and how that came about? And then kind of a two-part or maybe a whole separate one is how do you approach teaching history, which is kinda... well,
2: I, yeah, my favorite subject, right? Mm-hmm. I think the thing for me is that um, it. I I loved history myself. I loved history, and it wasn't because. Um, I think some kids just are have a natural bent toward dif- different subjects, and for me, history was the one. Well, I loved music and I loved drama can you imagine Uh, (laughs) some other things but i loved history seeing how it all fit together but it was really when i was teaching my own children and i was using a book that everybody was raving about called a child's history of the world by edward hillier and it had been written decades before and everybody was just saying how great it was and so i found it for $3 at a used bookstore. And I was really proud of myself because that was about right for the budget. Uh, And I start reading it to my kids and we get to ancient Egypt and it was so interesting and he wrote it so well, but I said, well, wait a minute. Where's Joseph, the biblical Mm. Joseph? Where's that story? Where's Moses? Where's the Exodus? How does this fit? And I just, I didn't know it was controversial. I had no idea. It was just something, you know, we'd always had, the Bible stories, the Bible history on one side, you'd hear about in church or Sunday school. And then you had history on the other side. And when I began to say, well, how does it fit together? (laughs) That was another journey. That was that same kind of idea as this journey. I had no idea I was about to take a journey that would last um, for 25 years now that i have been on this journey, asking these questions. How does it all fit together? And so for me, for me really, if I was to say what motivates me and makes me passionate, I mean, I love the details. You know, we just mm-hmm. did the a, a jury trial of the Boston Massacre with the school I'm working with today, and that was really fun, and I loved all the stuff, and I learned a bunch. It was great. But what I really love is seeing God's faithfulness in history. What motivates me to all the studying that I've done for the last two and a half decades and I continue to do is to see Those moments when God's presence, when his work, when revivals, when missions, when different things come together and you go, oh, look at his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. It, It really did. I was afraid. I remember very clearly being afraid. I had friends who were choosing to not have children, and this was back in the the 90s. They were choosing to not have children because it was so terrible, the culture was so terrible, so fearful out there, and I felt that fear for my children too, but honestly, as I saw the integration of history and God's faithfulness in different ways, both in the scriptures and then also in... In church history and revival history, uh, missions history. When I saw all that together, I began to say, "Lord, you were faithful all those times. You are faithful still, and you'll be faithful in my life." So it really changed my life. Mm. <laughs> so that's why I'm so passionate about history. And if you want me just to segue into the second thing about what you asked about how we teach it, honestly, if we can, if we can help our students. Not just go, yeah, yeah, this state, this event, this battle, this king took the test, did it, forgot, right. it, or whatever. You know, it's just history. If instead we see it as not sacred in the sense of like the scriptures, but we say we have our, our antenna up. I was talking about putting up an antenna or we have our eyes open, you know, and we go on this adventure and we search out. What happened? And how does this change how we live our lives and what we think about our world right now? If we can help our kids really begin to engage with history and they start saying, this matters. This matters in my life. This matters in my country. And the things I'm learning will make a difference in how I live. Then suddenly it's not just a subject. It is a powerful motivation in life you know? And so I'm all about, let's bring it to life in as many ways as possible. So students of whatever, gifting or talent or passion or intelligence, and we can talk about the eight smarts in a minute if you'd like to, <laughs> I'd love uh, but, but wherever a student is that we we catch them at that point, maybe it's in art, maybe they love art. So we look at the art in the history and they go, Wow, but then we connect it with other parts of history. You know, maybe it's the music. Maybe it's the food. <laughs> you know, let's be serious, right? Uh, some kids you get because they like the taste of the food out of history. Uh, maybe it's the stories. Whatever it is, we capture their attention, and we convey this sense of, wow, awe and oh, I wonder, particularly at what God has done. Mm. So I love it, and you can tell.
1: I'm- oh, you can For tell. Sure. I'm just- <laughs> I'm just watching you, Diane. I almost forgot that I'm on this thing. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Diana, you know, I I, I gave you some questions and I'm going to kind of jump right. Sure. Maybe just to to put a uh, something in your head, maybe for a little bit later. Um, But, you know, I, I mean, that's the beauty of having someone like you maybe help our kids learn history, because I know. You know, my wife would be if she were sitting next to you and I asked her the same question, she'd go, well, history's nice. You know, and that would be about that. You know, she and, and so as a teacher, you know, as you are able to teach our kids, whether written word or in a video format. I mean, that passion that you're talking about comes through that all moms might not have that same passion. Right. But that's not what I want to ask me right now. <laughs> 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 you what I want to, to ask to right go. now is. You know, if you were, even though, you know, if, if you were just an amazing uh, history, passionate advocate, um, I'd probably have you on the show. But the reason I'm, I'm having you on here right now is not just because that you know a lot of, about history, you're passionate a lot about history, but the part that is kind of like your little byline, you education that's relational. I mean, I love that part. Because even as you were talking about, you know, when you were describing your homeschool experience, that's what you were describing. Maybe you should, because, you know, you got homeschool moms who are listening and they're like writing down notes, uh, you know, and they're writing education that's relational and they're like, define that uh, because, I don't know, because they're homeschooling moms. But what is, what do you mean by education that's relational?
2: Oh, I love the question, (laughs) thank you. And it's our trademark, by the way, we actually trademarked it. Um, Education that's relational means several things. One of them, and this is a primary one, is it means the relationship between the parent and the student, the parent and the child. And we could go so many places with that one, but if you've ever had the experience of being teacher's pet you know, do, did you ever have that experience, Todd? where subject, uh, I
1: don't think two? I did.
2: <laughs> okay, now that's all right. Not everybody has. But I've asked that question in um, audiences around the world. And usually there are a few people that have experienced that. When I ask them, what was your learning like in that year with that teacher? And every one of them have said, oh, I just learned everything, I learned so much. Because the teacher looked on them with favor. The teacher thought they were amazing and they responded to that. And on the opposite side, I ask, you know, how many of you had that teacher that no matter what you did, it was not right? They didn't like you from the moment you walked in the class. And of course some hands go up and I'm not gonna ask you Todd. No, uh-uh.
1: That was right I may have had some teachers like that actually. <laughs> no, no, because...
2: Uh, But what the people have said to me in that one, when I asked them, uh, these are my little surveys that I do, you know, spontaneously in the crowd. Uh, But I asked them, so what was your learning experience like that year? And they go, I didn't learn a thing. There's something about the relationship between the teacher, and if you are the homeschool parent, you are the teacher, and the student, which is your child. It's more powerful even when it's, the homeschool parent and the child because they don't have anybody else they don't have anyone else to give them that kind of affirmation and so what we what we want to do is give our kids that sense that we favor them we are delighted with who they are when we walk in a room our eyes light up instead of getting really serious you know and that tense mouth where you go oh did you do your chores again? <laughs> but I mean, sometimes we ask those questions, right? And they don't always do things right. And we get upset with them sometimes. But if the majority of the time we're doing that, they just start to shut down. But if the majority of the time our eyes are open, our face is, is open, a smile, and there's a twinkle in our eye because we really like them. We really like who they are. We enjoy, we affirm them. We say, I saw what you did with your sister at breakfast. That was so kind. I'm so proud of you. Way to go. And they just know that you are for them. They are each one of your kids needs to be teacher's pet in that very wonderful way. In that way where they just feel like, wow, mom believes in me. Dad believes in me. Because when that's right, then education, it's
1: just there comes along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It well, Diana, to how it. does... You know, I mean, I, you'd think, oh, yeah, parents should be that way. But why is it that so many of us homeschoolers are like the grumpy old teacher? <laughs> you know, because... Or or just the, the the teacher that cannot be satisfied. Because usually, I was thinking about it even as you were talking, you know, when our children are little, Ben has a little daughter who's 20 months old, oh. you know? Oh. I mean, I've never seen a mother, you know, when, this, when a little toddler walks in, they all seem so accepting they're all so brilliant they're also, but as they get older and as we start viewing them as teachers and there are students and they're starting to make us look bad why does it why does it why does it get harder for us to to favor them anymore
0: I'm going to interrupt quickly to tell you about our sponsor, Teaching Textbooks. Today's show is powered by Teaching Textbooks, a complete math program for homeschoolers from grade 3 through pre-calculus. What sets Teaching Textbooks apart is that each problem is explained, corrected, and demonstrated to the student in an engaging way. The newest version comes with a permanent grade storage as well. What's even more exciting is that the newest version is an online curriculum that works on Macs, Windows, Chromebooks, as well as tablets and smartphones, allowing you easy, on-the-go access to your child's math lesson. And with a new lower price, the cost averages out to about $4 to $6 per month for 12 months. And that isn't enough, Teaching Textbooks is now offering a new discount plan for larger families. As one student from Las Vegas wrote, I'm doing pre-algebra and I'm in the 8th grade. I've tried many different math curriculums, and until now, I've absolutely hated math. And now, I actually love it. To learn more about the free trial or view a sample lesson, go to teachingtextbooks.com. All right, now let's get back to hearing more from Diana.
2: I think that's such a good question, and I'll give it my my thought. I don't know this is the definitive <laughs> answer for everyone everywhere, but part of I, I think part of what happens is, is that we have in our minds a model of what our kids are supposed to do, what they're supposed to be like. We have in our minds, many of us um, went to school ourselves. You know, we weren't homeschooled. I know some kids are now <laughs> grown up and they were homeschooled. Now they're homeschooling. So I'm not what sure what it's like for them. But for a lot of us, we were in a school setting. We know what it looks like. We know what smart kids look like. We know what smart kids do. Mm. Uh, and maybe we weren't like that. And when you are homeschooling as a parent, there's this, absolute pressure kind of a crushing pressure that says you've got to make your kids like that and mm, so it's because the pressure is on us but when we change that and we say you know what wait a minute stop stop the presses everybody, stop all that and say let's start talking about how did God make your child what things did God set into your child What gifts and abilities and interests and passions did God set into your child for his own purposes? I was just talking with a mom, a homeschool mom today about this, that none of us got to say to God, you know, I would like that one where you can be really good with words or really good with math, you know, or really good at sitting still and taking tests. None of us got to request that for ourselves or for our kids instead for his plans. And his purposes, and he's wise, We know, we agree on that, right? He has this amazing plan for each and every one of us and each and every one of our children. And so he gifts us with these beautiful and very different kinds of gifts. And they don't all look like um, kids that sit still and can read at age three and do calculus by five. You know, they don't all Mm. look like that, right? And so if we start to say, well, okay, let's start discovering what's in our children and appreciating and honoring what's there. And in fact, giving that opportunity to blossom while we teach reading and writing and spelling and all those other things. But we let them blossom. We let them shine in the areas that they shine in. Pretty soon, I think we would start going, oh, I get it. I Mm. get it. This one, Lord, you designed to be a comedian. This one, Lord, is such a servant. This one, Lord, loves to tinker, loves to take things apart and put them back together. Oh, I get it. And I think that's why homeschooling can be so powerful, because we just have the time with our kids to watch them, observe them, find out what are they good at, and then Bless that, and nurture it, and give it. Like I said, a place to shine, um, and and other institutional kind of school settings just don't have that time or that longevity with the student to be able to do it. I know there are teachers whose hearts are for their students, but but parents have, they mm-hmm. have it. They have the time. They have the heart. They have the knowledge of the child, and um, all they need is the encouragement. That their kids really are bright, really are smart, in different kinds of ways, mm-hmm. and we work with that. And um, I think it it really changes people's lives when they begin to really get that. And it changes a homeschool mom certainly because she starts going, "Okay, I don't feel all that pressure now. Let's let's work with what we have, and let's bless it, and nurture it, and see what God's got here. See what happens." Um, and for the students, instead of feeling stupid all the time because they're they're mm. not getting this or doing that right or you know mom's cranky all the time, whatever, <laughs> instead they start having all kinds of success, which then that starts to give them more confidence. Well, let me try this thing that feels really hard, like reading a 200 page book. Let me let me try it now because I feel so. I don't want to sound like everything is about feeling. But if they have success in the areas that they're really good at, I think it gives them confidence for the things that are not as easy mm. and they have to work harder for. So that's what I believe, well, that's <laughs> and I've seen amazing. it come to pass mm. over and over again, over and over again. It's just amazing.
0: So since obviously you, you, you know, your primary focus I think is the history side of things. That's one of your biggest passions. How does this all apply to history then, and how does it apply to the kid who? you know isn't interested in history or maybe another subject but you know obviously you can't just completely never bring it up because I know there's moms out there who obviously feel that frustration but they still feel like they do need to teach it at some level what would your answer to that be
2: right well one of the things that believe it or not when I Went to write a history curriculum, I didn't want to do it. This woman, I'd said if she bought my CD, actually it was a tape back then, mm-hmm. my history tape that I, I was in the process of, you know, I was thinking about it, I was going to write a curriculum. She said, well, I'll only buy this tape if you promise me you'll do this curriculum. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And she kept calling. Which
0: will do for <laughs> a sale, you know? <laughs> I always get
2: myself in trouble. And I, I, I hate... Should I tell you that? Well, I've already said it. I I really. (laughs) It's on Facebook
1: because you can't take it away. So
2: So I really dislike curriculum generally because it tends to put, it just sucks all the joy of learning Mm, out. Not all curriculums, but so many of them that I had experienced at that point. And I just went, I don't even like this. But we were exposed to different kinds of learners, different kinds of, like we call it the eight smarts or the eight great smarts or multiple intelligences, plus the idea of teaching different subject areas using history as the base, which is called Mm -hmm. multidisciplinary, or you could also say unit study. Some people use that term. But there's this way of teaching history that does not look like normal history. It's so rich. And that's what I did with my curriculum. I married together the idea of, wow, let's look at history with this. <gasps> what happens and what does God do in it? With mm-hmm. Along with how can all learners, all kinds of interest thrive in this, thrive and flourish in this? If what they love is baseball and sports, how mm-hmm. do I help them love history? And when you put it all together, uh, It's amazing to see the kind of results that come that even students who don't love history, they start to get engaged because they find that they can do a lot of things that they really do love, but it connects to history. And so it really gets exciting for them. I've been teaching online classes for the last several years and I have had a chance now to watch my students online, some of whom only were taking the class because their mom made them (laughs) pretty quick. They got so interested and they began to find ways to do projects and create things that they loved and they did well. Every one of them. Now, they weren't all They didn't all have all the understanding of what I was trying to give, but they had a lot of it, you know, and then there were some that had all the understanding and more because they went to research. So you have a wide spectrum, but I I have yet to find a single student who just goes, nah, I don't like any of it because I catch them through their interest. You know, whatever it is that they love, they have a chance to do it somewhere every month in the curriculum.
1: So, well, and even we were talking last week that yep. Ben thought we should even if we could find a better word than history, because as soon as you say history, you know, it feels like then it's a textbook thick thing yeah. as opposed to like it's you were it, talking about. Yeah. Everybody has it yeah Uh, and books and stories and and
0: all of that i mean anyone would be interested in that not just you know it's not just dates and i hate when i talk to someone and they say that exact line you know they're like oh i never cared about it it's like but you're not interested in anything because if you're interested in something it's in the past like you can find so much you know to uh, that talks about that but most people don't ever consider that
2: Yes, 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 exactly. Well,
0: Diana, uh,
1: you know, I know we're going to run out of time here. And I know that her mom's listening, uh, whether live right now or they're going to listen to it on a podcast, you know, that they feel overwhelmed. They can't get it all done. They're sure they're ruining their children, you know, and she feels like she's failing. You know, what would you say to her right now? Uh, maybe about, you know, and I know because you've had these conversations a million times. Uh, what are your words to her?
2: You know, what I would say is the first and most important thing. Set the books down. Set the expectations down. Rebuild the relationship. Find out what is it that makes your child light up. What is it that they go, oh, I get to do that. I love to do that. What does that look like? And once you have that or those things, start building from that area. But, but take a break from the books for right now and just begin to explore what they love. Because as you connect what they love to learning, eventually, eventually not tomorrow, mm-hmm. not three days, but eventually a love of learning will develop and it's always it's like if you have just embers left like you had a, a fire a bonfire last night and there's just a few little embers just barely barely glowing the last thing you want to do is come and bring a big curriculum book and go <laughs> <laughs> Just there, there you go there's nothing left right so what you do is you bring just a tiny little bit of the driest little bits of leaf and you put it on there and and that's what you're doing as you're asking your child, as you're paying attention, as you're seeking, play games with them. Go on a field trip. Try things. If you have no idea what they love doing, try some fun things and see when their eyes light up and start listening to what they're saying and having those conversations. And that's like getting to have that flame start to just begin to come up. And then you can give it a little bit more and and you begin to maybe read some books or go to the library about this, and then it starts to blaze up some more. And eventually, as you do that, as that genuine love of learning begins to grow, and they find out you're you're, you're serious about this, they you really want to know what they love, and you're all supportive of them learning about this. Pretty soon, this fire is going, and you can put that curriculum on there. Won't mm-hmm. smother it. In fact, it'll start to burn it'll start to be a glorious fire but you have to start with what you have and if your children are completely shut down and they're resistant to everything trying to put more curriculum on top of it it's just going to make it worse it's going to smother those embers so remember the embers and feed that gently Mm. very gently and give it time give it time and you know what you've been doing a great job. You've been doing a great job. I know your heart is for your children. It's just that our culture hasn't really equipped us Mm -hmm. in how to engage our children in a love of learning. So start today. Start Mm -hmm. today. You can do it right now. And and it will change everything about your homeschool.
1: Well, I know after listening to you, (laughs) because I've been in rapt attention here, (laughs) Um, they They're going to want to contact you or yeah. hear more about you. I know they're going to want to check out uh, your history, uh, helps, and uh, resources. And, you know, you mentioned your online courses. Is that something they can take advantage of? Tell us how they'd find you <laughs> and uh, and what they might find
0: when they get there.
2: Okay. So, Diana Waring. Do I need to spell it?
0: It's on, it? it's right yeah, underneath sure. your, your okay. thing right now, but you can spell okay. it for people in the audio.
2: D-I-A-N-A-W-A-R-I-N-G at gmail.com. No, that's not what I want to say. I want to say dianawaring.com.
1: Now you know her email, so yeah, if you have you some replacement email. windows you want to sell, so go ahead and contact her. That. Right,
2: so Wearing, uh, dot com has my blogs. It has my videos. It has my online classes that you can look at. I actually am going to take some new students beginning in January for a second semester if you're interested in that. Um, it's got have my
1: kids. Do your kids, kids, oh yeah,
2: middle school, middle school, high school. Um, and it's more focused towards high school. So if it's middle school, they need to be, you know, ready to kind of move towards high school. I'm not I've got some great middle school kids that are just blowing the socks off everything. But I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed. So, you know, contact me if you have middle school. Um, I'm actually recording my online classes this year. So I will have recordings available next year that won't be as much as taking the actual live class. But then you won't, you know, you won't interact with the rest of the class and do stuff with me and all that. Um, So, yeah, dianawearing.com and and then you can always contact me through Facebook, which is also Diana Waring. And uh, Diana Waring, I think it's Facebook.com slash Diana Waring or something. Um, sorry. They know
0: how to do
1: it. They'll they know find how you. To
2: do that. Yeah, <laughs> Diana Waring Presents is the is the company name. Um, but this is all that my husband and I do, except I teach now. I'm teaching at a homeschool private school hybrid thing. Uh, but this is what we do, this is our life. We're here to support and encourage and nurture you and help you and your family flourish and thrive in homeschooling so let us know what we can do to help
1: well, okay. diana oh we may have to we're gonna have to do this again because oh. i just have other questions i was writing things down that i okay. know i'm gonna quote you mm-hmm. um but thank you so much for taking the time oh, to, a joy. Uh, encourage uh, us
2: you ask me questions that just i love to answer so thanks todd thank
1: you Hey, okay, we'll keep doing what you're doing
2: thank you all right god bless
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Smiling Homeschooler podcast. If you found Diana's approach to education encouraging, you can check out more from her over at dianawaring.com. We want to thank Teaching Textbooks for making today's show possible. You can learn more about all their great math products, try out some sample lessons, and check out their affordable pricing at teachingtextbooks.com. If you'd like to see more from before and after the show, make sure to tune in for the live recording over on our Facebook page. That usually takes place on Monday evenings. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep smiling.